I'm Stacy. Hey, I'm Steph. Welcome to Harnessing Your Power, where we discuss everyday topics to break through the stigma and harness our power through self-mastery. Tune in every Tuesday to join us in conversation as we dig deep into our minds and get closer and closer to our highest self. Welcome back to Harnessing Your Power. Thank you for everybody who's on with us live. And if you're listening to the recording, thank you for tuning in. Um, so Stacy, today let's go ahead and get started with how are you really feeling today? Oh, <laughs> I know we usually do start at least our like lives asking each other how we're doing because I do think we both definitely have some levels of <laughs> emotional awareness and Honestly, something that's something that I really enjoy working with you, Steph. Before we ever jump into work, we do always check in with each other. But I do feel like we do usually the answer that question kind of on a surface level, right? <laughs> like that's one of those questions you always ask other people, like, how are you? And I don't think we're actually prepared to hear how they really are. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like a formality. So how am I really feeling today? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. But, you know, as we're going to get into, can we elaborate on that? Can I get more specific? Can I connect more with how I'm actually feeling today? And I can. <laughs> I am feeling a little bit of nervousness, but excitement for some things that I have to come later this week and in the future. And above all, I'm feeling energized. Ooh. That's, that's the adjective I'm going with. <laughs> yes. Wow. I'm so glad that you said energized because what I have is energized and refreshed. Um, yes. I'm feeling very refreshed. Today was a little bit more of an off day. I was able to just focus on getting ready for today um, and really like cleaning up, doing some laundry, getting some Christmas decorations out. Not everything's Ooh. up. Um, but really just getting that cleaning done to get everything started, to get everything put up. So it feels kind of like a fresh start, feels very refreshing and just energizing. <laughs> so I'm glad that's the adjective you chose. Um, I love that. I love the alignment. I'm glad we're both bringing the energy tonight. <laughs> yes. Um, and I love that you mentioned we usually answer on a surface level. Um, but I feel like even when we answer on a surface level, there's always a little bit of backstory as to why we're feeling that way. There's always a little more than just good or okay or great. Um, and I really appreciate that about you. But um, to jump right into everything, I love that, or like the title that we chose, Unlocking Your EQ, Intelligence Versus Emotions. So I know we usually just jump right in with a definition. What is your definition of emotional intelligence or a definition that you found or anything that resonates with you? Um, you know, when I was first thinking about this topic, I was like, oh, emotional intelligence, like that's just kind of like one of those um, little like catchphrases that people throw around. And, you know, there's like a million free quizzes on testing your emotional intelligence. And I actually did a bunch of them in preparing for this live. And I posted some questions on my story today so other people could answer them and kind of reflect as well. And I don't really want to get into that. That was just more so to have like a group reflection of all of us being able to like answer these questions together. But 
really getting into this research for this episode, I realized that emotional intelligence is one of the most underrated yet so important, like highly important skills to have. And even though it is kind of highly talked about, about how your emotional intelligence can impact your life, I think it's still underrated. I still don't think we really, as a society, put enough emphasis on actually how to learn those skills. I think it's mm. more so like, are you emotional intelligent or not? Instead of looking at, looking at it from a perspective of something we can learn. So something that stuck out to me was a definition that said, emotional intelligence is the learnable ability to recognize, interpret, and process emotions in oneself and in others. Mm. So I love how they added that learnable part because I think that is, you know, an underlying theme in everything we talk about is that we can learn and master these things. And then I also love how they broke it down to the ability to recognize, interpret, and process emotions. Because that's one of the other main things that stuck out to me is that emotional intelligence doesn't just stop at the awareness. There's like Mm. a lot of layers to it. And I know we're going to kind of get into that, but that was my favorite definition. Um, What about you, Steph? Like what were your original thoughts? And then did you find anything that kind of stuck out? So original thoughts, I definitely agree that that it's very underrated. However, I feel like, um, so when I graduated, I did a scholarship and we had a lot of like success courses. And I feel like emotional, emotional intelligence was something that they did stress. And we always had like tips and tricks, but I agree it is very underrated because it was more something seen as, okay, let's look at your emotional intelligence. Do you have it? Okay, these are, and like, yes, we'd be given things that we can do, but it was more like, hey, can you work in a group together with somebody? Hey, how do you work with somebody else versus just what you said, being able to process your own emotions, being able to take in those emotions. So when getting into this, I feel like my, the, the definition that I thought I had in my head or what I thought emotional intelligence was shifted a little bit. And the mm. definition I saw time and time again, I do love that your definition has the learnable. Um, Cause I do agree that it is very learnable, but the definition that I saw time and time again was very similar is being able to recognize and regulate our own emotions and recognize others emotions. Um, but it was very interesting to me to be able to reflect and look back to what I've learned and doing the research now and being able to see some of the differences that I maybe hadn't taken in before. Mm, Yeah, exactly. I think that is what really stuck out to me too, is like how many layers there are to it. Um, Another aspect, just like looking at the words, like emotional intelligence and specifically Mm. looking at the word emotion. One of my favorite words to break down is emotion, setting it apart into emotion which literally is referring to energy in motion Mm. and that's what our emotions are and that kind of goes in line with some stuff with law of law of attraction and you know what causes a strong emotion from you is gonna create more of that thing in your life and where you put your energy those things grow and I think having that perspective when it comes to emotional intelligence shows how important it is to grow these skills, right? Because if we're, (coughs) 
excuse me, if we're suppressing this emotion that we have, we're suppressing this energy that is supposed to be in motion. So the emotion mm -hmm. is going to come out one way or another. So if we don't have emotional intelligence, it might come out as us having a really harsh reaction to something or us talking to someone a way that we don't really intend to or us just feeling really bad versus if we learn how to understand and process and use our emotions, we can keep that energy flowing in the way that is helpful to us and others. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm really big into energy and that being like the underlying thing of everything in life. So that's just helpful to me when I think about emotions. Sometimes even in the moment when I'm experiencing a strong emotion to really just say like, hey, this is a lot of energy I have. Mm. And how could I redirect it? Mm, that was actually one of the tips that I had listened to. I really love that. Nice. I know you have a breakdown. Do you want to go ahead and get into that? Sure. So Daniel Goleman is a popular author and speaker in the emotional intelligence world. And he actually breaks emotional intelligence down into five different parts. But I was listening to the Love and Success, the Love, Happiness, and Success podcast with Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby. And she has a little spin on um, Daniel Goleman's breakdown. And she breaks it into four parts. And I just kind of preferred this one. It resonated with me more. But she breaks emotional intelligence down into self-awareness, self-regulation, social awareness, and relationship management. So the first two have to deal with self, becoming aware of your own emotions and learning how to regulate and transmute and utilize them. And then the second part, the social awareness and relationship management has to do with, like you said, Seth, becoming aware of other people's emotions. But I like this breakdown because it takes it a step further to not just becoming aware of them, but the relationship management part um, is being able to communicate with other people in a safe and meaningful way that brings you closer together and can collaboratively solve problems. So it's being able to understand someone else's emotion to know how to communicate to them or to know how to respond to them to get the result that you desire. And I'm really excited to get into that in a minute because you know, that can kind of go either way of good or bad, but kind of just first breaking it down into the two buckets of like self emotional awareness and then emotional awareness with others. So looking at it like that, I actually have a question for you, Steph. Yes. Do you think that you can have emotional intelligence when it comes to interacting with other people if you do not have emotional intelligence with yourself and with your own emotions? So... I feel like I had a really, when I first thought about this question, I had a very conflicting answer because I felt like yes. And the reason I felt like yes was because I feel like I've always been known as a people person. And like I said, I've been in like different classes where it's been very stressed, hey, emotional intelligence, being able to sit here and work in a group with somebody else versus really regulating your own emotions. But I do think you need to be able to regulate your own emotions and recognize your own emotions before you can sit here and recognize other emotions. Now, and we can get a little bit deeper into this um, further down the line, but 
I do think that there's points in time where you can have that awareness with others and maybe not with yourself in the moment, but I think you need to have had the self-awareness in order to be able to recognize in somebody else, recognize those emotions in somebody else, if that makes sense. Oh, yes, it does. It does. And you kind of said a few things there, but I really actually agree with your different points. Um, so I definitely do think, like you said, at times, you know, it's often easier to judge someone else's situation or not judge, but understand or like observe someone else's situation than it is sometimes your own when you're in the moment. Like when a friend comes to you with a problem, sometimes it's easier to see the big picture and like that it's not that big of a deal. But when you're experiencing your own problem, it's like, oh my God. And I think the same can be said with emotions. Like sometimes it might be easier to observe someone else's emotions or like understand kind of like what they're feeling, even if you can't understand your own. But I do think there's the precursor, like you said, you have to have some type of level of your own understanding before you can even understand theirs. Like if you don't know what it looks and feels like to be really anxious yourself, mm. like if you don't know like, oh, this is me being anxious right now, are you gonna be able to see that in someone else? Mm. I don't think so. And even if you can physically see it in somebody else, would you be able to take that in as, hey, they're anxious, I don't think so. And um, can you take it the next step of, not only like, hey, they're anxious, but here's the best way for me to respond to them mm. for both of us. Because that's, that's the parts of why I think both go so hand in hand is because it's not just how to respond to them to not hurt their feelings, but it's how to like go through these relationships with other people that's equally considering my emotions and their emotions and just giving like the best result for both people. Yes, and I feel like the uh, a personal experience that I've had with this or like a reason that I felt that way was because I feel like I've, I've taken the emotional intelligence quizzes a few times and right before this as well and I've always been somebody that scored pretty high but diving into this caused a lot of self-reflection and I feel like it's something that definitely has to be done consistently something that you have to be something you have to check in on in order to have good emotional intelligence because something that I realized about myself was so prior to March of this year I hadn't worked in two years so I was home I was you know taking on entrepreneurship and while I was still interacting with people there was quarantine was going on I was home all day um so most of the time I was in my home and I feel like while I was still able to interact with others and work with others, getting back into a place where I'm consistently in a social space and talking to people and having to interact with those people and being able to navigate my emotions and other people's emotions in a service setting, I feel like I started to realize that I wasn't regulating my emotions the best way. And I started to realize that, okay, I was, I was kind of just ignoring some of the emotions and to then see, okay, now I'm getting better at regulating some of those emotions and taking them in and being like, oh, I actually feel this way because of this, or, hey, I'm feeling this way. This is what I can do to make it better. I think that social interaction is 
such a big piece of being able to have that emotional intelligence because I could see myself being able to have that empathy and that compassion and being able to talk to others and work with others, but not necessarily taking the best care of my own emotions. And mm. that's a big reason that I love doing these things and doing this podcast and doing the research and doing the inner work because I don't think that that's something that I would have recognized otherwise. Yeah, so. absolutely. Because it is, like you said, something that takes practice. Something I read was comparing building the skills of emotional intelligence, like building muscle at the gym. It's mm. something that takes constant work. And just like if you take time off from the gym, if you take time off from actively like becoming aware of your emotions and processing them and how it's causing you to react, then it's not like you necessarily lose the full muscle, right? Like you still have the muscle memory, but it might like, I don't know. I don't think with emotional intelligence, it really is like a setback. I don't think you ever lose like the skills you learned, but I think you kind of just temporarily stop using them. Yeah. <laughs> and you just like going to the gym, you have to get back into like, the habit of like you know going and doing the sets yeah but i like the, the example you were going with that muscle memory of being able to just jump right back into that being able to oh hey this is what i should be aware of or these are the things that i should be doing instead um so i really like the way you put that thank you <laughs> yes you're welcome <laughs> um fernando said perhaps advice comes from previous experience moments what are your thoughts on that I think that that actually goes right into my next point, which, yes, I think a lot comes from previous experience and previous moments, good and bad. Um, mm. You know, like, we are all classical condition, just like Pavlov's dog, of something always brings me this, or every time this happened, this is what happened after, this is how I felt. And I think a lot of it does go back to childhood. So shameless plug, love your inner child. Check out that episode because a lot really does relate back to childhood, not as an excuse or like everything wrong with me is because of my childhood. But it just, mm -hmm. that is when your brain is so permeable. And that is when you're like witnessing these social situations for the first time. And children also don't have the ability to displace emotions like when something happens as a kid and you get in trouble like let's say you color with markers all over the wall <laughs> and like you get in trouble your mom is valid for you getting in trouble like you just ruined mm. the wall and what you did you know objectively was wrong but kids don't take that in as oh that action i did was bad they take it in as i'm bad and at a really young age, all emotions get internalized and we associate them with our identity and our self-worth. And like, that's what causes us to have these different beliefs and perspectives about life. And that is what causes us to have triggers, which is one of my favorite topics, which is like <laughs> weird. Like, let's talk about what triggers us. My boyfriend knows I like to talk about that. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, like this whole concept of like being triggered is something that is popular in society right now to talk about like, you know, like I'm triggered or like that triggered me. But something I was reading said that that isn't really what a trigger is. 
it's not just someone does something you don't like or you know you want to feel sassy about something it's that emotional triggers are automatic responses to specific situations events or interactions that consciously or subconsciously remind you of the past especially where there's a traumatic experience in your past and it sets off your sympathetic nervous system and triggers the fight flight or freeze response mm -hmm. so a lot of things with like emotional intelligence and getting into all of that we realize that sometimes these different things that trigger us or these different things that we feel are all coming from our survival instinct which every time I learn about this, I'm like, there's no way that my brain is like, oh, this is to survive, right? Like, <laughs> generationally, we haven't been hunter or gatherers out there <laughs> striving to survive for so many years, but it's so interesting how biologically that's still ingrained. Um, but when it comes to like the emotional intelligence and triggers, that's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's one of the places that I feel like we can actually make the most growth with ourselves. And it's the places that we can actually cause the most change in our daily life. The ability to be in the moment and to be able to feel a reaction from something and pause before you respond and kind of like separate and be like, okay, I'm actually being triggered of this whole other thing. So let me not respond to this person this way because this intense emotion that I'm feeling is actually from something that's historically happened to me. Like this person right here didn't even do anything. It just caused this whole feeling. And that helps to like separate that. And I feel like it also helps to take ownership over your emotions and to know that even if that other person did something right then that you deem hurtful, they didn't cause your negative emotion. Only mm. you are responsible for your emotions. So being able to see what triggers you and separate that from yourself also helps take ownership of your emotions to then be able to like transmute them and use them for good. But I said a lot <laughs> because I love triggers. Like tell me all your triggers. What triggers you, Steph? <laughs> How do you feel about triggers? Do you like when you notice them or is it something that's uncomfortable to you? No, I, I love, I know you said, I said a lot, but I love how deep you went into that actually. And you're actually one of the person, one of the people who taught me to just take a step back and remind myself like, Hey, what do I want from this? What, why am I really feeling this way? And can I separate my emotion from that? You're somebody who really helps me keep that in the front of my mind and really just remember that. So thank you. Um, I do know that you love talking about triggers and I feel like, so I wish I had, this is not um, research that I had done for this specifically, but I wish I had these notes in front of me because something that I've been working on, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, um, I was talking about how I feel like I wasn't doing the best at self-regulating or doing the best at necessarily regulating those emotions. Um, but when you talked about that parasympathetic nervous system and being in survival mode, I feel like it's very easy to stay in survival mode and stay in that like almost paralyzed state mm. where you're just like, okay, what do I do next? Um, I've, I've been there and I've, I've stayed there. And to know that even though I'm somebody who likes to think of myself as self-aware, it still takes going and, hey, what are my triggers? Hey, what got me here? Hey, and asking those difficult questions to really sit here and, and think, 
okay, why am I feeling this way? And I think if we don't ask those difficult questions, we're not going to get anywhere. And I had listened to this podcast um, with Renee Reese. And um, if you want to learn more about self-regulation, she was amazing. She explained everything so well. But um, I just really liked that she mentioned that she feels like self-regulation is more important than even the mindset portion. I think so many people talk about mindset and they talk about how important it is, you know, affirmations and doing the work and it is, but can we sit here and see how our body reacts when we're not even noticing? Um, and you said, you asked if I had any triggers or how do I feel about triggers? But something that I like to do now is if I ever, I like to be more aware of like my body, how, what is my body feeling? So mm. when you tense up, when you tighten your fists, when you all of a sudden, like, like even the energy that you have around people, like, hey, I was around that person and now I feel energized. Taking notes of those little things, I feel like has been so helpful for me. Like, hey, around that person, I, I actually don't like being around that person. <laughs> and that's okay. Right. Um, I think it, that's been a really big thing that has come from listening to that and learning of different ways to regulate the nervous system and different things like that. Um, so yes, I do love learning about our own triggers, but also what triggers your body. I feel like that mm. is a big one that I have been doing um, a more conscious effort at paying attention to. And I love that one because just like emotions, like those, those sensations are happening in your body for a reason. Like, um, Something said, tr uh, triggers are a reminder to pause and refocus. Mm. And the same with your body. Like when you're starting to feel that anxiety, this isn't just to suppress it. Like we're not here to suppress our emotions either. But how can we understand them? How can we take what your body is telling you and channel that into a better feeling and a better outcome for you? Um, and I also love how you said, it's about asking those difficult questions because I think that's a big thing with triggers too. And specifically for me, I've done a lot of work uh, recognizing my triggers in my romantic relationship. I had some less than amazing <laughs> romantic relationship experiences before my current relationship. And I think that's so common, right? Like it's such a common thing to bring this baggage into this new relationship. My ex-boyfriend always did this. So now, as soon as my new boyfriend shows any sign of that, I'm freaking out on them as mm -hmm. if they're the same person who caused this pain before. And, you know, it's not our fault <laughs> that these type of things happen, but not only asking the difficult questions, but getting vulnerable in those moments where I've seen a lot of growth with learning my triggers has also been communicating those. Mm -hmm. So a specific example that I have is when I'm talking and someone like looks at a text on their phone or like picks up their phone. And I know that I talk a lot and I know sometimes it might not be that important and maybe your text actually is more important. So that's something that I feel like triggers help you with too is like, not that my emotions are never not valid, but am I just having an over-exaggerated response to something? Mm. And then being able to communicate that. Like I told my boyfriend like, when I'm like speaking and, and you look at your phone, like it makes me not want to talk to you anymore. It makes me not want to share this with you. It makes me mad. Like it makes me so many things. 
And before in our relationship, I just used to like snap on him in those moments. And then it would cause so much negative feelings. But now that I've been able to communicate that to him, and I told him like, look, this happened not only in past relationships, but actually I can remember being a child. And (laughs) when I wanted to tell my mom something, she would like pause the TV or she would turn the Mm. volume on the TV up even to hear the TV over me. And like, it's not that that's all the same situation, but that all just goes up to creating this trigger of like, when I'm sharing what I have to say, this person isn't caring about it. Mm. So obviously I'm not worthy. Like it leads to such a whole negative thing, but being able to like recognize that trigger, communicate it. It's not to say that situation doesn't happen either, but now like he knows also. So if it does happen and I do get kind of like mad, he's able to also know that like I was just triggered about something. Um, so yeah, my, my biggest tip when it comes to triggers, and it's the last thing I'm going to say, I see Elena said, um, like doing this work is creating new neural pathways because of mm. neuroplasticity. And exactly, exactly. Josh said, your triggers also help guide you to what parts need to be healed. Exactly. <laughs> and that is where, you know, getting into like, actual therapy and working with someone one-on-one can be really helpful to heal some of those things, especially if it's from different, like deep pain. Um, but my biggest tip, kind of like what you already said that you are actively working on Steph because of me is really just taking that moment to pause. Mm. And you know, you, we hear that we hear like pause, like think before you speak, don't just react, but like truly take a moment to not just pause and think about how you want to react but pause and ask yourself, why am I feeling this? Why did this little thing just bring all this anger from me? What was I doing earlier today? How was I feeling earlier? Sometimes Mm. it's not a trigger of this whole past thing, but sometimes it's just that I had a really bad morning. So not every little thing is going to set me off. And then the second part, what you said, Steph, is what do I want from this? Like, how do I want to feel? What is the outcome that I want? And then how am I going to react based on those two things? And it's definitely something that takes work. It takes putting in the reps, just like the gym, to like Mm -hmm. make this like a muscle and a habit that you do. And honestly, it's something I've been working on for a few years. And there's still times when I'm like, no, I don't want to know why. (laughs) I just, I just want to get mad. (laughs) And I I think that's valid too. Like, That is because emotions are energy. So it's really whatever we want to do with it. And sometimes it is that we just want to feel and we just want to express and all of that. And like literally just having this type of conversation and even reflecting on your own life about those different things is building so much emotional intelligence. Yes. A good tip that I heard, um, it was in the past. I don't remember where I heard this from, but redirecting those things like once we realize them so an example that he had given was if there's a certain person that you realize every time they call you you just you feel some type of way you're not excited about the call you're automatically feeling bad before the conversation is even bad Mm -hmm. um i think he was specifically talking about a work um (laughs) a work thing um i'm not 100 sure but something that he did was redirect that emotion put a picture of him and his daughter as the caller ID. So when he could get that, he would automatically redirect that emotion to a good memory, to a good thought. And 
of course that takes a lot of active work and a lot of practice um but that was something that really stuck with me and has reminded me to just hey do that extra work do that extra piece to make sure that you're redirecting your emotions re just reshaping the way you feel at certain triggers wow i love that and that goes back to the point of you know we are the only people responsible for the way we feel mm. we are the only people who are making us feel a certain way i think something we, we love to do as people is just be like they made me feel that way or, <laughs> because they did that i feel this way mm -hmm. but it's not that's all just extra stuff in our interpretation causing us to feel that way so i love that he like was taking that extra step to really change the way he feels about something that's powerful yes yes um i've been actively finding different ways to do that in my own life um i love that last thing i want to touch on is eq versus iq um mm. do you feel like being emotionally intelligent goes hand in hand with being intelligent with a high iq no <laughs> and I'm curious if anyone disagrees, but I feel like most people would say no. I think we can all think of even famous people who were like brainiacs and mm. created amazing like technology or whatever. And then like you hear them speak or you watch them interact with other people and it's like, whoa. And, it, and I'm not just talking about, you know, maybe like shyness or socially awkwardness because we all experience that at different times, but you can just feel that like they just seem like are they even like aware? Do they get what like these emotions are to be a human? And I think sometimes people that have really high IQs, like intellectual uh, intelligence, have lower EQs. And I think the mm. opposite can be true as well. I think some people who have really high emotional intelligence and awareness might not have necessarily the highest intellectual awareness, mm. um, except for me. I have really high both. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but what about you, Seth? Do you think, I mean, do you think people can have really high levels of both? And like, what do you think is more important? I think they're equally important. And I do think mm -hmm. that you can have high levels of both. But again, I think that's something that needs to be worked on the same way that intelligence is something that needs to be worked on you know you need to continuously take that knowledge i think the same thing with emotional intelligence and i was actually listening to a ted talk by chris girl and he was talking about high emotional intelligence and low iq and high, high both and then low iq low eq low okay so basically he was saying <laughs> Let me figure out the best way to say this. So basically he was saying with a low IQ and a low EQ, he was comparing it to somebody who was really annoying, who didn't really have that social cue. But when somebody kept that low EQ and got smarter, they got more annoying. Mm. I, th I thought that was an interesting way to put that because Yes, you can be really, really smart, but if you have no emotional intelligence, if you don't know your social cues, do you just come off as arrogant? Right. It's like, Almost. read the room. I think we yes. can all think of yes. so many people like that, that like <laughs> might have a lot of really valuable stuff to say and to add to the conversation, but 
it's not your turn to talk or, you know, like, I feel like sometimes there also are people with higher IQs that have like a superiority complex and they Mm. think that what they have to say is more important than someone else. And that directly shows a low EQ. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so when I was listening to his talk, he was talking about going to a workspace where it was a lot of very intelligent men. It was all men, um, but they had been in their positions because of their smarts. They got promoted because of their smarts, and now they needed to work on their emotional intelligence and social skills. And he was just talking about the different ways to even get through to somebody like that and how he made an emotions periodic table, which I thought was really funny. Um, But something that he mentioned was, is there something that opens up, and he said it just like this, is there something that opens up that emotional can of worms and helps us understand what's going on inside of us and our friends and our coworkers? And at first when he asked that question, I was like, well, probably not. But he was just talking about how himself and how he had a very rough points in his life where he was just going through it and what he said was Brene Brown says regret is the birthplace of empathy and he wanted to parallel that and say that grief is the birthplace of compassion and I thought that was very interesting because I do think that when you've been through certain things when you've been through certain dilemmas it's a lot easier to be empathetic to be able to say okay well I've been through this So now I can have compassion and empathy for you because I know something similar. It may not be the same thing, but I know those feelings. And he was talking about these guys as emotionally binary people, the type of people that you went up to and they would just answer good or bad as to how you're feeling. And I thought that was very interesting, but he was more saying compassion is that glue that holds us together. How do we find that compassion? And it's really just learning it as we're going through it. Yes, exactly. And I love that. I love how you connected that to empathy because you definitely do have to be aware and accepting of your own emotions to have empathy for someone else. Because let's say you went through something really painful, but you just suppressed it all and you didn't let yourself really like feel that you might not have empathy for someone else. You might actually think the opposite. You might think they should just suppress it just like you did. But having that awareness and that acceptance and that empathy and like leading that to compassion towards other people is so powerful because that is literally how emotional intelligence can be a step to end generational trauma and generational Mm -hmm. pain and really bring us all together. It's so powerful knowing that other people feel the same things that we feel, (laughs) especially when it comes to like pain and hurt. You know, it's always comforting to know we're not alone in those feelings. But emotional intelligence is not only, to me, it's not only looking for that solace when you're the one feeling down, but having that compassion when someone else is feeling down too. And knowing Mm -hmm. that like, you know, not judging them for that, not cycling blame and guilt around, but really just cycling compassion. <laughs> yes. Yes. And when we talk about emotional intelligence, the word itself has intelligence. And he mentioned maybe we've been misguided by even that term. And instead, like a lot of people have the knowledge of emotion, 
but have no connection to the emotion. Mm. I think that's the biggest difference between EQ and IQ. Like we can know the emotions, but do you right. really do you really feel the emotions? Right. And can you process them and like yes. work through them and harness the power of them? Yes. I love that. <laughs> nice. I love it too. Perfect. Um yes. <laughs> so all that being said, I know there was a lot of positives that we talked about when it comes to emotional intelligence and you know, there is a lot of research out there showing that emotional intelligence is more important than IQ for the success in your life. I actually read something that said emotional quotient is not only important to advance your career, but to be fulfilled by it. And to be able to connect with others, like it's, it's necessary for all this positive stuff. But Steph, do you ever think someone with high levels of emotional intelligence could actually be using it in like a negative way? Yeah, well, okay, prior to doing the research for this, I always paired emotional intelligence with good um, mm -hmm. and positives, exactly how we were talking about earlier. But there was actually a study um, where evidence showed that a lot of emotionally intelligent, um, they were specifically talking about students in school between like, you know, that, first like kindergarten through high school ages. Um, but a lot of, I think we can all think of a scenario where we've, we've either witnessed, been a part of, or in some way just seen, even if it's just in the movies, somebody being excluded or being left out from a group or just being made left out or made fun of. And a lot of the times the people who do those things, the people who are in that group, grouping themselves and making that person feel excluded have high EQs. And not only mm. do they know how to process their own emotions, now they know how to push all the right buttons to make somebody else feel bad emotions, to be able to manipulate a situation and emotionally manipulate others. So when I was kind of reading more into wow. that, I thought it was very interesting that there could be a dark side to emotional intelligence. A lot of, um, a lot of psychopaths <laughs> who have very little regard for others' emotions actually have very high EQs because they're able to, they're obviously they, there's a lot we can go into with that. And maybe we can talk about that some other time. Um, but being able to manipulate those emotions and make somebody feel a certain way or use those triggers that somebody might have to make them feel a certain way, they can manipulate mm. certain situations. Mm, wow. Wow. That is a lot of food for thought because I also previously only thought like the more emotionally intelligent and aware you are, the more you're going to be leaning towards compassion and like it only can go this one good way, but it is energy that can go anyway. And just because we're more aware and we're more able to have power over what we do with that energy, it's still on us to do good with it. And yes. I think that's so interesting because it kind of connects to what I was saying earlier about, you know, asking yourself what you want from the situation and taking the action or having the response mm. to, like have the um, outcome of the situation what you want it to be. 
And as I was saying that, I was only focusing on it being like good, like it being something that's good for everyone in the situation. But the same exact thing as you're saying is like, it could be manipulated. It could be evoking certain feelings from someone just to have them act a certain way. And I actually think that is really prevalent in our society. Like really food for thought. Like now I'm thinking like, isn't this what all marketing is? Like every advertisement is to get us to feel a certain way to do a certain thing or to buy a certain product. So really it's, it's amazing. I wonder if higher emotionally intelligent people usually use it more for good or if it's usually used in more manipulative type of ways. Like I think that, takes a whole nother level of awareness to it and again that's like a whole other place we can go with it but wow (laughs) well I mean do you think oh man there's so much that can come from that and maybe we are (laughs) maybe we don't get into all of it now um but when you talk about do you use it mostly for good can you manipulate a situation and still and still be good using that manipulation aren't we always like aren't we always yeah no you're right (laughs) You're right. Wow. Wow. Lots of food for thought. It is. It definitely is. Um, But I do think we are coming up on our time. Yes, absolutely. And that is kind of my main point. I think one thing that I would love to leave everyone with is a few questions to reflect on. Mm. And that is, Asking yourself, when was the last time you felt an emotion? Mm. Any emotion? When was it? What was the emotion? What did it feel like? What do you think brought on the emotion? And what did you do with it? What did you do after you felt it? And if you are at the beginning levels and stages of becoming like aware and in touch with this, you might not have the answer to all those questions. Um, But I just think that's a great reflection to start thinking about. Because although I do strive to be in touch with my emotions and like aware and using them the way I want, there's different periods of time where I get caught up in the hustle and bustle of things that when I actually first heard that question a few weeks ago, and I asked myself, I was like, I don't know, like, I haven't really felt anything in a few days. Mm. And that itself can be... um, illuminating too because that wasn't true like I had felt stuff but I was just so out of touch with it so that also lights up you know maybe that's where you need to focus or I don't know it's just a great starting point reflection so ask yourself when was the last time you felt something Hmm. thank you for that thank you Elena said feeling love for you guys and I have love for you thank you for being here with us thank you so much Elena I feeling a lot of love for you as well and everybody who is on and supporting us always. Um, so I know we're at the end of time. Thank you, Stacy, for the reflection questions. And thank you, as always, for being on here with me. Thank you for everybody who is listening live and everybody who's listening to the recording. Um, we are extremely grateful for you always. And we will see you guys next week. Yes, thank you all so much. And thank you, Steph, as always. It was an eye-opening discussion.
I was striving to say something other than just good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was eye opening. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh my God. All, right. All right. Thank good you. Night. Bye. <laughs>